This podcast series is brought to you by World of Coffee Dubai and DXB Live. Expand your specialty coffee brand into the fastest growing specialty coffee market in the world by becoming an exhibitor at the next World of Coffee Dubai in 2024. I will be there. So head to worldofcoffeedubai.com and join the mailing list to get notified when booth registrations become available. Check the show notes for further details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapa Ford, friends. Today on the podcast, joining me is Noah Adra. Um, I'm your host, Lee Safar, and we are here for episode three of a four-part series. We're talking about what we learnt in the Middle East about the future of the coffee industry. And we have spoken about the industry itself over there. We've talked about the cafes. Today, we're going to talk about the consumer. So, Noah. The coffee consumer over in the Middle East, particularly in Dubai, as we witnessed, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, which uh, are two different emirates of the United Arab Emirates. What surprised you about the consumer over there? In, in different one or just uh, whatever uh, you like. <laughs> okay, I think I think the consumer overall is. Um, it's a, it's a consumer that is willing to try something new, mm-hmm. you know, a consumer willing to adapt to a new way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, a consumer with an open-minded um, concept. They might not continue trying a new product, but at least they give it a, they give it a go. They're open, you know right? I mean? They're more open. Yeah. Our consumers are habitual. Our consumers get a get an oat latte every morning and they're going to get an oat latte for the rest of their life. They 100%. maybe, maybe will dabble by getting chocolate on top. Yeah. Over there is, um, oh, you've got something new? What do you have? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, that make a problem because they're, they're um, interest spam and stuff. Yeah. I, I recently got a um an offer list from a coffee roaster okay here or there no over there okay um the amount of single origin they were offering is ridiculous to the you know like but tells you that their consumers are happy to give it a go if you say recommendation or anything like that they're just gonna go ahead and do it. And I'm not talking about me going to a cafe, tell them what's on pour over, you know. Um, I'm talking about somebody who doesn't have that understanding of all the coffee aspects and still willing to go ahead and say, wow, this is really nice. Oh, yeah. wow, this smells amazing. Do you know We're what not I mean? talking like, I about expect- a specialty coffee connoisseur. We're talking yeah. about your average consumer is that curious. But I have yeah. a question for you as a coffee roaster. Is that sustainable from a supply chain perspective, what's the what's the relationship to sustainability as a business model, not necessarily as like a green thing? Okay, I, I think is not. Tell me why. You know, so if if you are just wholesaling and selling mm-hmm. coffee, no way on earth you can answer that much, or you can do that much. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just too risky and and too much of a of a headache to be honest to be good in all of them. Right. Right. Um, but if you have retailing, it's okay. Do you know so, what I mean? So when when we talk about that, you you mentioned in an earlier episode about blends. And we've talked to friends of ours over there 
uh, who have said that like there are certain markets where the consumer is or the cafes themselves, uh, it's, blends are not accepted over there. Do you think that there's a way to position blends over there that the consumer does become, uh, that they are approached, approachable for consumers? Definitely there is. Um, the thing is you have to re bring it back to the market with a little bit of a different ideology or concept behind it or mm -hmm. a different why we decided to do it. Um, I mean, recently look at all the world coffee brewers. They're all blending suddenly yeah. okay. because one coffee, it doesn't give you, you know, a very complicated mm -hmm. uh, or complex, sorry, not complicated, cup. but com complex cup, like mm -hmm. uh, two coffees comes together. Um, there is a shift in that. So that could be entering the filter first. So tell them, you know, by having a really high-end blend, that doesn't mean the quality is bad. And matter of fact, we giving it a much more flavor that is going to impact your taste buds, you know? Right. And I was talking to somebody um, this weekend and, um, you know, it's very interesting because there was a really good thing he said that, um, you know, we all know each coffee actually each cup that you're going to receive is a unique cup. You will never replicate it in some cases, right? Mm. Because because there's so many freaking compound and volatile flavors mm -hmm. in a cup. You know, a grinder might not grind. You know, you've got small beans, big beans. You know, it depends what goes in. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a big um, concept of just picking up you know, watermelon or, or, or right. like watermelon might show in this cup. The next cup could be, you know, different melon, you know? Right. Um, so it's very unique. Each cup, they're not the same right now. Sometimes blends can help to a little, to a little bit, you know, sometimes consistency, they could be part of that as well, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and blends also means that it will give you, uh, a certain flavor profile that is going to give you that uniqueness and more that depth you are than striving what you're, for. Right. And 100%. more depth than you're going to get from just a single origin. I wonder if we relate that back to the consumer. I wonder if we're able then to help progress the palate of the consumer sort of the opposite way than how it was in our industry because everything started as blends and then we had to do the work as baristas to convince to consumers to start drinking singles, right? I yeah, feel like it's yeah. the reverse over there. Over there, yeah, yeah, uh, 100%. And, and I'm pretty sure they are willing to give it a try as long as you execute it really, really well. I think the execution is, will be very, very important, how you're going to communicate this to the public over there. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm just wondering if, like, if any industry is going to be able to do it, they'll be able to do it because they're so unified, well, much more unified than what I guess we are here in Australia or what we are in America. Uh, once the industry decides to do something, it catches fire and just starts happening over there. Hmm. there it goes like, you know, again, the word trends is not a good thing, but 
it goes wild, you know, everybody, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it stays longer, I, I believe, you know, okay. even if it's trending for a bit, if it does really, really well, like, again, you build the consumers who are willing to continue purchasing mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, uh, the, the fact that I've seen so many pour overs on table, uh, and we're it's talking so across, ordered. yeah, you know, like, uh, it was across the whole tables it wasn't just one one something the other person it was very fascinating like Mm. the consumer are are open to go ahead and to experience something completely different do you think that the the consumer over there is more educated or are they more curious because the reason i ask that is because i didn't see like for example you go to stitch coffee your cafe You go to Stitch Coffee and there are information cards. There is multiple touch points in the cafe and on the website to learn about the supply chain and the producer and the packaging and all of that kind of stuff, right? I didn't really notice much education for the consumer over there. Did you notice any Maybe I didn't no, there was that, and no, no. I think this is where the missing piece, right? This is where the service and experience is still not there yet. Except, except the consumers still buying, and that's that's the part that I'm confused about with regards to the industry. Maybe they've got it right. The consumer is curious. That's all. Okay, you know, they're they're willing to because. They're a coffee drinking culture, mm-hmm. right? They're not a beer drinking culture. They're not a wine drinking culture. So coffee is their wine. The coffee is coffee is the pub exactly. Uh, coffee is their thing that has to replace another beverage, mm-hmm. right? Um, and when coffee became or became um, the flavor compounds that you know today we are experiencing it uh it really taken by surprise because all of them go overseas study overseas when they come back they are actually educated overseas a lot of the new Mm -hmm. millennial the young generation already Mm -hmm. went in and experienced coffee culture either in australia and america in other countries Mm-hmm. So when they are back, they are they are already knowing what they want to get, you know, um, and I think that is contributing. So a bit of a curiosity and a little bit of overseas education, mm. uh, I think. Uh, now what they're missing is you're getting, you know, the 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 thing is what happened in all these expensive coffee shops is. You're getting one type of, like, you know, the, either the overseas expats or the super locals, so the Emirati, mm. right? They're not really diversifying into the other uh, part. Or um, baristas who just finished their job elsewhere and going to visit their friend or going to check out the new yeah, there's, cafe. There's a whole market that they're not tapping into. Yeah, which is, you know, the other market that it's, it's that um, who needs education. So do you want to elaborate a little bit on, on who you mean? Um, I mean the more of the, um, you know, the, the working class. Mm-hmm. Well put. You know, that, doesn't mean, that, that doesn't mean they don't work 
but it's like you know a different type of work they do right. you know um and, and i think that um a market is so big that we could capture them i guess if we had a bit more education mm-hmm. about it as well and maybe a little make it a little more approachable because a lot of these venues feel super fancy yeah yeah 100% like so. it's it's really uh, uh it's sometimes you know if if there was no friendly stuff you wouldn't walk in you know right. i mean the, at least you had a bit of a friendly people behind the bar mm-hmm. uh that helping you you know but for us we were there because we just wanted to experience everything right but uh, i believe there is an opportunity there uh because what I've, what we what I, what we've saw is um tim horton um the Pete's starbucks coffee. the gloria jeans the coffee clubs these are the working class go to spaces you know mm-hmm. so if there is a little bit more education a little bit of that then they could come up to the level of hey i want to go and spend a good amount of money to have a good coffee yeah and as like mauricio said on the podcast when he was on the podcast at world of coffee he mentioned that like in places like saudi and we witnessed it in dubai as well people go for coffee at midnight Mm. like it's a it's a normal thing to meet at a cafe at midnight and have coffee with your friends and grab cake and do all that kind of thing that's just the way that it is over there whereas like here or in america you'd go to a bar or a pub or something like that so i guess even for the working class if they wanted to go on like a special outing accessing specialty coffee shops like the top end specialty coffee shops which is like all of them that becomes something that they know about, but they don't have the barrier into that. Mm. And so I think what you're saying is that we need to create the gateway for them to want to start making their way up to specialty coffee through places like the, the perhaps the more middle or lower end specialty coffee shops that could be made available. Before we wrap up yeah. this episode, what do you think we could learn in the West uh, from their consumers, what do you think that we could implement here that we learned over there to captivate more of the consumer? A very, um, very good question. It does require a, a lot of thought process, but uh, but uh, but I think what we can learn from them that we can apply here. Um, I think what we can learn the mostly is the way they are establishing coffee at a different layer of beverages, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, not just one thing and neglecting the other, you know, it's trying to tell them that, um, you know, we've got all range of, of brew methods. Um, Each brew method does something different than the other, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have a lot of uh, coffee focus as well. So mm-hmm. when you ask their people, they can tell you more about coffee. So they have, you know, they can answer you, which is good. This was the big thing that I found over there is that they cultivate curiosity in the consumer through the employees. We found, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the workforce in the next episode, but something that we found is that the hospitality was out of control good. Mm. 
And because the hospitality was out, they couldn't do enough for you in the cafes. And when they were being hospitable, they used that opportunity to cultivate curiosity in the consumer. And I don't see that happen enough over here or in the States. I think it depends where you go, but yes, on an overall stage, right. yes. Yeah, at Stitch, that's something that you all, that I always observe, but uh, I think that's why you're so successful is because you're constantly using that customer engagement to cultivate curiosity as well. You do that through your mailing list. Like there's so many layers of the way that you guys are cultivating curiosity in your consumer. And I think that that for me was the big takeaway is that they use their workforce to build the relationship. And it's a pleasure to be engaged with that way by staff because they're genuine about it. Yeah. I mean, they try their best to yeah. uh, um, show that they, you know, they know what they're talking about, you know. So. Yeah. so in the next episode, we are going to talk about a concept that is fucking wild. There's no other way to describe what we're going to talk about in the next episode other than to say it's fucking wild. Um so tune in, folks. I promise you this will not disappoint uh, as we talk about the workforce over there. So peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.